dude. Just like you pull in and you just get spit right out of them. Well, hello and welcome to another action-packed episode of The Carve-Up. It's your man Silky here, uh, manning the mic. We've got Tudor, a, uh, he's missing at the moment, but I've got a couple of very good replacements. Joining us in the studio tonight from Queenscliff Board Riders, the director of the Bacardi Surf Tour, Steve Harrow-Harrison. Harrow, welcome, mate. How are you, buddy? Stoked to be here again. And, of course, a special, special guest. He's come all the way from Victoria. He's the co-founder of the Sneaky Surf app, Steve Samartino. Steve, welcome, mate. G'day, mate. How are you doing? Very well. And, of course, all the way up in our Northern River studio, the one and only Will Weber. Will, good to have you back. Nice to be with you, boys, and have them all in the studio. And what about our mate from Hawaii taking um his other little mate? What is it, uh... Height not, no, it's heart not height, taking him to the semi-finals if we jump straight in. Well, let's do that. It's on hold at the moment, the uh, the event over there in France. And look, there's, it's all up for grabs. Keanu was seeing versus John John in the first semi, and Gabriel Medina taking on Kolohe in the second semi. Look, I'm pretty uh, excited to see uh, who you know who's going to take this one out. Obviously, JJ and Gabriel Medina are both vying for the title, but yeah, Keanu was seeing. Best tour result ever. Yeah, mate. But um, he's made mention about surfing on his backhand. He really attacks the lip on those backhand snaps. And that left left Shorey at the, the French beach break had really been helping him out to get through some heats. Mate, uh, he surfed uh, a heat earlier in the event with um, Stu Kennedy. It was a buzzer beater. Stu had priority and just let one slip under his guard. I think we watched it. We commented on it, Will. On the carve-up, mate, uh, rookie error. Oh, totally. But what? what is Shmoo? Have we, have we lost Shmoo from the show? He's surely taken over Micro. How are these guys <laughs> as coaches? We've got Micro and Shmoo. Man, I'm, I'm coming in at a towering five, seven and a half. I might have to go from basketball to surf coach next year, I think. I think you could, but you're going to have to probably strip about, a, I don't know, 30 or 40 kgs. They're all kind of fit, oh. these uh, surf coaches. Yeah, there's another bloke from Manly, Bo Mitchell. He's about four foot eight. He's in the surf coaching game as well. <laughs> they must just look up to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, to you, mate. Uh, you know, you've got this great app, Sneaky Surf App, and one of the, the forums on there is, is the WSL. What have you liked so far on this, uh, this event so far? It's been interesting to see the scoring across the left and the right-handers. That's been totally noticeable. You get on a right-hander, get a bit of speed, bust out in the air and throw the tail, you're going to get a seven or an eight. And it seems as though we're back to the one-manoeuvre high-score scenario, which in the last few events seemed to disappear, but that seems to be back. So pretty interesting on that. Julian Wilson got a score. It was like a 7.8 for like a, a shitty, shitty little air. And the claim yeah. now, mate, listen, that claim game of his, it's just creeping in. I mean, a few of them are starting to do it. Ace Buckin's sneaking the, the old claim in. Boys, where where do we stand in the in the claim stakes? Harrow? Mate, um... You know, I've spoken to a lot of people about this, about guys that are claiming to get scores in rounds one, two, and three. Like, if you're claiming in that early stage of the event, you shouldn't be there. I can understand a claim going down to win the event, but to get a 3-5 in round two or something, like, seriously. Steve? Yeah, I don't like claiming. Should be minus one point from what the judges expect. Well, every I, think time they be, I think they should be. I think they should be docked. Uh, docked. Yeah. <laughs> official. It needs to be official. Now, will you used to pioneer the no claim claim? Where, where do you sit on this? Uh, where do you sit on this? <laughs> exactly. I think I've claimed two waves in my life. One a huge takeoff at Bondi out of shock, <laughs> and the other a tube at Lovers. But I was actually ordering one beer at the uh, Pacific Hotel. They call it a claim, but it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, look, I reckon points off. Um, I remember when Kong turned into Gary Elkerton and was going crazy on it. Um, once you've made the top 44, what are you fucking claiming? Yeah, I For agree. God's sakes. And, to, you know, they always compare surfing with sex. I've seen a lot of fucking – jeez, what am I about to say? <laughs> the ends of film – you don't see the guy claiming, do you? I mean, maybe there is claim porn. I don't know, but you don't see the guy claiming. I, I, I can think of a couple of episodes of something I might have seen. Boys <laughs> – Keanu is seeing, obviously, his best uh, result to date. John John Florence, now, you know, I think he's kind of, not much has been said about his performance this event. You know, a lot of talk's been about Medina. 
Uh, I think Kaloe, not much has been said, but I, I've really liked the way he surfed. I, I actually tipped Toledo to win it. He got knocked out in the in the uh, in the quarters, but Kaloe and Dino is probably my tip to take it out. Who, who do you guys like? Uh well, Medina, I think's like just out of those guys that you've got left, his competitive act is probably the best. John John's obviously, you know, who knows what's going to expect, and then. Keanu was seeing, like you said, best result he's ever had. And Kaloa Andino is obviously getting better each year as he gets bigger and stronger and more experienced. But, um, yeah, Medina, but, mate, just um, going on bad results, how about the wheels falling off Wilco? Mate, unbelievable. Just uh, look. I Rollerblade wheels just rolling down the road. <laughs> it's like a train wreck, isn't it? Yeah, well, he, like we mentioned um, before, he, he lost the last two events to Wildcards, and now he's lost to Otten, who's got through three heats all year. And he goes down in round three. He's going for a world title. And I'm tipping he's a mate of yours too. (laughs) (laughs) True. What about you, Steve? How have you seen it, mate? Who's your tip? I think for me it's Medina just because of his competitive spirit, the way he surfs. But if you think about what's been happening across those lefts and rights, he's got both games covered. He's got it all. So when it comes to the competitive spirit, the way he goes about it, but also he's surfing. I think that's the best of the two semifinals, you know, class-wise. I think both of them have surfed really well in this event, and, you know, like I said, I'm tipping Kaloa, probably more because I don't like tipping Brazilians. <laughs> yeah, true that. What about you, Will? Well, look, I think with um, a sing getting so close, the sniff of the bloody oily rag, he's right there, and he's got Shmoo in his back pocket. I think, look, everyone brings something different to the uh, the win. John John's looking the most controlled he ever has, if not a little subdued, maybe surfing 80%. Yeah. But I think a sing with his heart over height thing, I've said it again, and his psych is almost Brazilian in nature, but it's that might come from his um, MMA and his uh, wrestling side. I think he's too close to the chokehold and uh, he's not going to release until he feels the three taps. And I did watch End of the Dragon the other night for the 1100th time. I think he also he's got the man upstairs in his corner too. He seems to be referencing uh, yeah. Sweet Baby Jesus and God in, in most of his interviews. So maybe maybe it is his turn. To be, I'd be happy to see him win. And happy for our mate Shmoo Sh- Sh- if he still remembers us to uh, – Come on and wax lyrical about the great coaching effort of him. Well, mate, he needs a result because well, I think he's he's in about 33rd or 32nd position or something. So no doubt he's going to jump up quite a few spaces now because he's made semis. But if he takes the win out, he's definitely going to be in that mix of finishing in the top 22 at the end of the year. Well, so, it's, uh, this shoots across the Queenscliff here with Queenscliff board riders. You'll remember King Zoo Looker when he was finally interviewed in Tracks magazine. What a great pianist, and, yes. Yeah, oh, fantastic. I've got all the vinyl here. None of it scratched. <laughs> and none of it actually opened. And I've got all these horror wetsuits. But he said when he was interviewed in his one Tracks interview, um, what will it be like when you win a contest? And he said, it will be very fruitful. Yes. So I, I think it'll be very fruitful for a sing. It might be his only win of all time, but I can see... Grapes and bananas everywhere. Steve, before we touch on the women, we were talking off air about the, the cutoff point. Top 22 of the top 32 look like re-qualifying. You've got a bit of a uh, an issue with that. What's the story, I mate? it. So here's what we're saying. We're saying you're in the uh, top 70% of surfers in the top 32 and you get invited back ne- next year. For me, I mean, clearly, anything less than half as good as the others on the tour, you've got to open it up. We wonder why so many people have uh, won world titles again and again. It's the same faces. The barriers to entry are too high. It's ridiculous. Surely we've got to go back to a top 16 and let another 16 come in every year, surely. See, I disagree on the fact that when you see the level of the CT compared to the QS, the the, the difference is night and day. So the guys that do re-qualify who are failing and come through the QS... They're usually the same guys, right? Yeah, yeah, because they come through the back just, door. They, they come through the back door. So their, their skill set, their skill level is just that much higher yeah. than the than the guys that, you know. So I agree. And this is where you're going to be surprised, Silky. I agree with you 100%. So if that's true, then let them compete on that level. If they're in the bottom 16 of that top 32, let them go back and earn their stripes. And if they're still in that top 16 of the qualifying event, let them come back and play next year. What I'm saying is not in the WCT where they get an automatic entry, let people less than the top half get in automatically, let them go back and earn it the hard way. So to be clear, you reckon the top 16 stay? Top and 16 then, stay? And then the, and the bottom the 16, 16 duke it out. Yeah. That's right. I like it. Will, as a former pro surfer on the tour, what are your thoughts? 
Well, I liked when you said, let's touch the women, and someone talked about the back door, <laughs> and at the risk of sounding like Donald Trump, and this might come back to bite me in the ass when I uh, go for Prime Minister of Australia in 20 years. I'm glad you got me on the same page. I must admit I drifted off early on there when you said touching on something. <laughs> Look, there was a stage when it was the top 32, I think, and I remember Greg Day saying when he was – so they had the 32 on, but there was also the top 16 within that, and he said it was almost impossible for him not to be on tour. He only had to make a few heats. Yeah. I reckon, mate – yeah, go go even to top ten. Now you're have talking. Them and the, and the rest really punching it out because punching yeah, it out. As you said, someone said the um, it is the same likely guys coming back or the tail enders that can beat the guys that have got enough money from the CT can afford to go to the QS. So yeah, maybe go to top ten, even top yeah. eight. The full wow. creme, that, um, creme de la creme. Yeah, I think like one of the issues is for the new guys coming on is they don't have the experience at certain locations to take on the best in the world. So when you come on as a, as a bottom seed, if you do get through your round two, you're going to come up against one of the highest seeds in round three and it's surfing places that are like, you know, really experienced surfers in those in those locations like Chopu and Pipeline, stuff like that. So that's where um, the freaks of the sport are able to step up and do it in their first year, but other guys need a lot of like a couple of years of experience and competing at that location to sort it out. So the sneaky surf tour, Steve, when that kicks off. In well, a, that's right. Yeah, and the sneaky what, surf tour what, what, kicks off. What are we going to have there, mate? Well, it's incumbent upon the surfer who isn't experienced in that spot to get there. All right, There's only 10 events a year. They need to get to the pipeline. They need to get to Chopes, and they need to learn it. Do the know, time. That, and do the time. And if you can't do the time, are you really a pro surfer? I mean, that, that's the question. If you if you want to be in there, you want to dance, you've got to pay the band. Ah, oh, billabong surfing oh, in the right, summer. You got it, mate. <laughs> right How to you, boys. Now, before we uh, wrap things up on the WSL, we've got the women's event over in France as well. Tatiana Weston-Webb take on Tyler Wright. Courtney Conlog take on Carissa Moore. Now, we kind of put our heads together to try and work out if Tyler Wright wins this event and Courtney Conlog gets knocked out, is she the world champion? Answer is, we don't know. We don't know. By the time this podcast comes up, we might have an answer. But at the moment, we don't know. Boys, who do you like? About the women, I, I think Tyler Ryder. I think Tyler Ryder win. Now, Will. Yeah. Yeah. Tyler Ryder win and win convincingly. I think. I mean, the surf's small, but I just think she's well. The, the, the two of them, her and Courtney Conlog, have been streets ahead of the mm. opposition this year. Yeah, I reckon what's been refreshing is um, when the girls were surfing that left shorey, and you saw Tyler surfing on a backhand, which you don't often see. Um, and she even made reference to it, you know, she's so used to just going right on tour. So she was finally going left and it was, you know, good to see the judges giving scores. And, um, yeah, she does look powerful and, and, and the boards look really good at the moment. So, um, oh, I think it'd be hard to go past her. hundred percent. Tyler Wright should, should have a nailed this year. She, I, I mean, she looks streets ahead of the others. If I see it, just cause she's got style, she's got power and it's yeah. the power game, the, the women's yeah. power game. There's, yeah. there's those who have it and those who don't. Yes. And unfortunately those who don't will never win a world title. Simple as that. I think. What about you, Will? Who's going to win the ladies, mate? Well, I think they're right. If, um, Tyler's on the good boards, I remember when everyone used to go to Europe, they'd look up Morris Cole to get the boards because he'd been living there and he had Spot the experience. On. Like even I was so loyal to my brother Greg, but as soon as I got there, I was whipped up to his <laughs> and Hey Morris, how about doing me up a six channel? I asked for a six channel, he did me a bloody reverse V. I don't reckon he knew how to do them. <laughs> <laughs> but um, if you look, the thing is that kind of bank. I remember surfing it in ninety one, ninety two. Is that it? Estan yeah, Yachts is the left, it, isn't it? Great one. Oh man. When it's bigger, man, it looks like pipe and backdoor. But when it's like that, it's really you're begging for something. Um, if you're on a roll and you've got a good board and you're going for a world title, I've got to put my money on you. Well, there you go. Going. Well, there's the wrap-up, guys, of the WSL. We're going to come back. And Will's got some uh, some breaking news on another shark attack up, and, up at Ballina. You're on the carver. More to come. Welcome back. You're on the carve-up with the two Steves, Silky and Will Weber. Now, Will, last episode we had a breaking story. We spoke to your brother, as a matter of fact, on the shark attack of uh, the young bloke up there at Ballina. Mate, you were quite vocal in, uh, you know, the implementation of drum lines, but uh, unfortunately, mate, there's been another shark attack today. What's been going on up there, mate? Well, man, look, it's going to be... Someone said with the last one, I actually spoke to Sarah from the uh, Australian... 
And she goes, will there be blood on the hands of someone if it happens again? And if you look through my brother's texts to me, man, it's like a percentage that a guy's just been attacked again. Now, that's ridiculous. So I defy you to show that on someone else's phone in the whole world. I, you know, my brother doesn't joke about it. I went, you're fucking kidding. So, man, had the drum lines have been put in, like I've been petitioning my petitions up to about 850 people. Yeah, wow. But as I said last week, I think I'm the only person with a petition in the world to kill an animal. Everything else is to suck them off or save them or <laughs> fucking get their hair dyed. Um, but, you know, had drum lines been in, could this guy have avoided getting his leg bitten? Now, as it turns out, the bite is only one puncture wound. You know, no smart boy or buoy, if you want to call it that, uh, gave the guy any warning. I mean, he hasn't got his mobile phone out in the water with him. Uh, he was offered – he drove himself, actually, to hospital and got released. And upon release, the media got to him and offered him, for his story, a carton of beer, <laughs> which he knocked back. From and Aldi? as I said to you, Cooper, yeah, not an Audi. He didn't knock those beers back, but he knocked back the offer. They went from there to $100 to 500 The last count, I've heard he's knocked back $5,000 for his story. But within that time, uh, between Sarah from The Australian and my brother Dan, I've heard that um, Mike Baird is going to go with Nets. So at last, you know, he backflipped on the dogs. So the dogs are back. And as someone said, he's going to start baiting. Is he against baiting sharks? But obviously, finally, this is going to work for us. More, more, more backflips than Nadia Comaneci, old uh, oh, there at the moment, mate. Uh, look, you've been very vocal in the, uh, you know, in the implementation of these drum lines, and honestly, during the week, guys like Ray Hadley, for for the people who are in Sydney, you know, he's one of the biggest uh, radio broadcasters. He was speaking to Don Munro, who's the president of Labar, I think, up yep. there on the coast, you know, and so. My understanding, Will, there was a they put up the the environmentally friendly barriers that failed, and uh, you know this is pretty much the last resort. Man, the the barrier they're talking about is pretty much what you have at Nelson Park. That's something you can have in a harbour. We had a twenty foot east swell. That thing's going to wash that thing bloody to Penrith. Um, a ridiculous idea. These nets are the drifting, not the drifting ones, but they're beneath the surface and above the bottom, like you have um, all over the Gold Coast, Bondi and most of Sydney. So, look, I'd prefer to go with the drum lines where you have the shark hooked on it. At the moment, they've got the eco uh, drum lines where they get hooked and they go flying out with tambourines and incense, get the bloody shark off and take it out a kilometre. What do you think this shark's doing out there going, oh, no, where am I? I'm out in the ocean. I'm horrified. What do I do now? Man, you've got to have them on the drum line rotting so that they put out the pheromone, the ammonia, whatever it is. Anyone that's cut up a shark, they smell disgusting. Um, you've got to leave them on there for a few days just to let them know don't come here. And when guys used to fish, and um, I'm sure a guy that we're going to talk to coming up, will uh, reiterate this, is you've got to have the fear of man back in the sharks, at least on the shoreline. Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting because there are some tech solutions which are even simpler. So I was out at Optus last week looking at their startup hub and they've got a sonar drum which can detect a shark with 800 metres regardless of the weather conditions at any point in time. And you can send a little ping message from that drum to um, any siren anywhere near the beach, send out an alert when one's within 800 metres. gives you plenty of time to get to the shore if you're out there surfing and you can do it. The technology already exists. Now, here's a question for the government. It's not, oh, let's protect the little surfers. No, this is an international issue for tourism in Australia. We are a beach destination that people want to come to from China. We've seen what's happening there. Do we want to make people go, oh, you know what, I'm going to go somewhere else. Australia's a little bit dangerous. The North people Coast, are mate, doing it that. Is, mate, it is a revenue-centric decision that the government needs to get behind. And what we probably need to do as surfers is actually point out the wider economic implications, not just us guys catching waves without wanting to get chewed up. I know. We I spoke think... about it last on the last show. What was the stat? Steve, you knew the bloke was, uh, had the surfboard shop at Ballon. It was something like he went from 50 boards a month down to two or something crazy like that. Yeah, but like... The, They've got they've had sixteen shark attacks this year, like yeah, seriously. It's nuts. It's crazy. As, as, as Steve just said, like regardless of people's safety and the tourism and everything that goes on like that, but like, what's more important here? Like human life. Yeah. Hey, 100%. Harry, that's where I want to come right in. I'll make this the short version. 
I had a good talk with the trucky Pete from Surf Cargo that took Cooper's board down that six-channel Will Weber surfboard that was taken down the highway <laughs> last night. This is the short version. Um, mate, when, what I said to him is, man was more respected. Back in the day, to make a village, the man went out, he got rid of the predators, he defended his family, his wife was so proud of him, he'd have sex that night, make children, the, the village would grow more, they'd beat the animals off, and you started the village. Inevitably, once your village gets big enough, you get hippies and you get greenies. Mate, we wouldn't be here unless we did the human things we had to do to survive. And I'll tell you what, if you had an alien fucking turn up with a laser and start shooting us, the hippies would be going, fuck, kill that thing quickly. (laughs) Well, listen, mate, a great analogy. Will, you've, uh, you've got a guy up there on the coast who's one of the, the preeminent fishermen, I believe, and I think we're going to take a short break and, and have a chat to him after the break. Welcome back. You're on the carve-up, and we're talking all things sharks at the moment. And on the line we have, well, he's one of the gun fishermen up there on the north coast. He's based out of Lennox Head, and we're lucky enough to speak to him. We've got Adam Epiphanis on the, uh, on the line. Epi, welcome to the carve-up, mate. Uh, good stuff, mate. Great to be here. Now, listen, uh, obviously, news broke a little bit earlier today. Another bloke's been bitten by, or had a little nibble, I dare say, by a shark. Mate, you're out there every day. You're, you're, you've got the eyes on the prize up there. Can you tell us, as a fisherman, how fucking busy is it out there in the water at the moment? Mate, it's that out of control. I've actually been out of the water for 13 months. I had to head over to Indo to get away just for the fact that I actually can see what's going on. I'm getting all the reports. At the end of the day, it all comes back to putting a sanctuary in place, protecting a shark stop taking certain bait out of the system and wondering why people are starting to get bit. I mean, it's a bit of a no-brainer for me. Adam, can I whip in there, mate? I remember talking to you uh, about a month ago and you said uh, where you're living up at Ballina that you've got an old shark fisherman, mate, that's retired or was pushed out through the quotas and he said, mark my words, in 10, 20 years this is going to happen with the shark attacks. Well, that's exactly right, mate. He told me that, look, it's as simple as this. No one's got any idea of how many sharks, especially white sharks, he's actually taken out of the system. And he told me, give it eight to ten years. Mark my words, you're going to be seeing people getting nailed because no one's got any idea of the numbers that he was actually taken out. And exactly eight years to the year, we're starting to see this go down. So, you know, you can't fight a bloke who's bought three houses out of killing sharks, can you? You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, mate, t- just tell me, uh, it's Steve uh, Harrison here from the Surf Tag. Mate, tell me about the the sanctuary. You just made reference to that in the um, the Ballina Byron region because, mate, when I, I've run surf events up there before, and um, not just contacting the council, but you got to contact a special group that is in charge of this sanctuary. So, just go a little bit deeper on that. Well, basically, mate, when you when you protect an area, what with any fish, and this fish is the apex predator, obviously the white. When you protect an area, fish aren't stupid. They'll hang in that area. They know that they're under no pressure. They know that there's a lot of feed there for them, just so they won't leave the supermarket. So it's basically as simple as that. You can't you can't put certain things in place and then protect the apex predator and then wonder why people get bit. Pretty much, mate. Well, thanks, buddy. Yeah, that, that will. So you're basically saying that because this sanctuary is in place, it's causing the problem. Well, mate, the san- it's it's a few things in one. They've um. They've stopped taking Australian Australian salmon off the east coast, so when they run, they run in huge numbers now. They're uh, concentrating on mullet. They're not concentrating on the Australian salmon anymore. So basically, they've stopped taking one fish out of the system, which is getting high in numbers. The sanctuary is probably the main thing. And then you've got a pure breeding ground where these guys aren't stupid. They'll hang around. They know that they're not getting knocked. So... It's as simple as that. If they're not getting knocked, they know that there's feed there. They'll hang around and they'll start breeding there. It's as simple as that, I think, mate. Yeah, Steve Samatena here from Sneaky Surf, mate. Well, if there was one thing that you could do to change the policy there that will stop people getting taken while they're out having a surf, what would that one thing be? Well, mate, I think there needs to be a cull. It's as simple as that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've never killed sharks myself while I'm fishing due to the fact that I realise they are the apex predator and we need to have them in the system, but... When you've got a situation going on where there was sharks being taken out of the system and we had no problem, now the guys told me eight years later we're going to have a problem, and to the date we're having a problem. So the writing's on the wall, mate. You know what I mean? There's, there's, there's not just, it's not just um, it'd be a handful of sharks, I'd say, but are the ones are the ones that are actually nailing guys because once they get a taste for it, I mean, when some, someone gets hit and then they come back for a second go, 
I don't believe that's a case of mistaken identity, mate. I believe that's actually him feeding on you. You know what I mean? So. Hey. Epi, do you think there should be a Vic Hislop World Apology Day? Down <laughs> <laughs> in my way, Vic. You nailed it. I reckon you've nailed it there, Will. So, hey, mate, hey, hold on to, a sec, um, Will. I just want yeah. to quit on and hop in here. So, Epi, like, for, to the layman, explain how the drum line works because I'm not completely around it. So, you know, well, you, you bait a hook and then the sharks, the sharks says, how does it work, mate? Basically, the drum line works in the way of you bait a, bait a huge hook up the shark comes in, grabs the bait. The the, what, the actual um, surface area of the drum with air inside it, you can only fight it for so long, and the shark will surface and give up. So it's pretty much as simple as that, mate. Just like just what the old Jaws movie, with, not not in that actual way where they're nailing the thing and putting barrels on its back, but it's all about <laughs> surface area. You know what I mean? They can't actually drag the thing down, and eventually the shark gives up, and he'll sit there until old mate comes along and picks him up. And, so it's been and, going on for years. And sorry, Will, just one other quick one. And, and what does that mean to the other sharks in the area? They see that the shark's on the hook and say, well, this ain't a good area for us? Is that the kind of the, the premise? No, of not at all, mate. Not at all. I think it's all about if, if the sharks are being hooked and just dragged out a kilometre or so and let go, it's like you're just taking them for a ride. You know what I mean? They're not, they're not, it's not as if they're going to stay out there away from the supermarket. They're always going to come back to the supermarket. It's not like they're getting hit. In WA, okay. professional, Adam, professional, think, yep. Keep going, mate. Keep going. In WA, it's not, it's not a good thing, I believe. But professional fishermen, when they're fishing for mackerel, they knock a shark on the head. They tie it beside the boat, right? And the aminos and all the all the all the pheromones, sorry, that come out of that shark, they're an apex predator. They don't like seeing one of their mates get knocked. And the mackerel fishermen can knock over a ton and a half of mackerel, and then the next day they go back. And the sharks won't be there for a couple of days. They knock a couple of sharks again, and then they can get a couple more fish out. So when they see their mates getting knocked, they don't like it, eh? You know what I mean? So I'm thinking that's what needs to be done, eh? They need to take out a few of these larger fish, these these juvenile fish. They're not the ones that are the worry. We're talking about three and a half to four and a half metre sharks, not the two and a half metre shark, because he's the one who's not the problem. It's those bigger rogue sharks that need to be knocked, I believe, so that the numbers can like move on instead of hang around. Well, that's the thing. Um, the, the, the shark, when it gets about to 9 to 10 feet, so you're talking 3 metres just plus, that's when they go from the fish diet to the mammal diet. So that's perhaps why these guys aren't devouring and actually eating the whole human. But uh, talking about the drum lines, and I like that the, the shark's actually got to rot on it and not be taken out to sea. The thing is we do need that pheromone in the water. Um, I don't know if I didn't say it on last show or talking to you today, Epi on the phone, was that I've got a mate that's brother used to do the drum lines up at North Stradbroke, and they used to weigh down the hook and the float with a V8 engine. Now, one of those V8 engines was found at Fingal, which is 200k south with a straightened hook. So that's <laughs> a big... Go. I wasn't no juvenile shark that did that, mate. Let me tell you right. <laughs> nah. Oh, well, I'll tell you what, this has been a great, insightful interview. I don't know if I'm going to go surfing again in the, in the, in the t- not-too-distant future, but, mate, listen, Epi, mate, great to get your insights. Uh, mate, great to hear your voice. It's been, it's been a number of years, and, mate, have a listen to the show, and, mate, happy fishing. Mate, thanks very much, guys. Thanks for your time, mate. There you go, Adam Epifanis. You're on the carve-up. Welcome back. You're on the carve up, and you know, boys, I'm uh, I'm happy to get away from that uh, shark subject because uh, there's some frightening stuff going on up in the water up there, isn't there? Yeah, I don't know if I'm going surfing up there yeah, anytime soon. Yeah, I'll give it a miss. But mate, listen, Harry, I want to talk to you. Obviously, you got this great concept. You got the Bacardi Surf Tour. Event four was held last weekend at DY, three to four foot surf. Yeah. And uh, from Wollongong, Nick Squire's got the cash, mate. Tell us a bit about the event. Yeah, mate. Well, I was um thinking we were going to have to call it off the day before because the forecast wasn't looking too good. But we, we rolled up and there was a, a little south swell coming, three foot, say, and um, occasional bigger sets. And um, it was a great day. The boys went nuts. And Squires got the cash ahead of Allura's Jared Hickel. So you had the experience of Nick Squires um, in the final against the upstart, Jared Hickel, who's on the QS now. But, um, mate, just a good day of surfing. Like Blake Blake Thornton and, and Shane Holmes went toe-to-toe in, in round two, dropping nines and eights. And, um... Mate, it was just one of those days of surfing at DY. It was great. Mate, we had you on a couple of episodes ago, and we talked how we, we enjoy the concept where you got the, the former CT or former pro servers up against the young guns and the, the QS, and it's, it's a really good mix. Um, what's been the highlight for you so far, or what's made you so proud as the, as the organiser with the way you've brought these events on? Yeah, probably, Um, you know, we spoke to old Boxbody Dayan 
in, in the last time. So I relevant. Here. Is he still relevant right he's, now? Well, he's relevant. He got another third place. <laughs> so he's relevant. coming second in the series. I want to so, give him a shout out, the most relevant man in surfing. <laughs> he is, mate. So, still in the bath. Bubble yeah. bath. <laughs> so to see guys like um, Dayan, they're still in the mix. And then like your Jared Hickles and Shane Campbell's from Allure coming through and, and taking them on. So it's just that mix of surfer that you get because seriously, you do not know who's going to win each event. Like Harley Ross Webster and Kai Warner surfed in the Freshy event because they've recently turned 18. Yeah. Like those guys went to the ISA World Games to represent yeah. Australia. So just the, the, the mixed bag that, that shows up on the day and the, the real randomness of the events is, is probably the highlight. And, mate, just looking at the uh, the results, so the tally after the four events, and you've got Nick Squires out in first place, followed by Dayanu, Blake Thornton and Perth Stanley. You could even go down to fifth place, Dayan Anderson, who, depending on results coming into the next event at Monavale, mate, they, they could all potentially take it out. Yeah, mathematically, they, they're all still in the mix. <laughs> but um, Squires is definitely in the box seat because he missed an event. He was on his way up to do the Aloha contest on that foul weekend in June. And um, he turned his van started going sideways. He had his little boy in the car, so he just went, "Mate, this is dog shit." I'm turning around, going home. So he didn't turn up. So Squires has only done three events. So this wow. next one at Monavale is a keeper for him, and he's already in the lead. So his his event behind is in the lead. So he's the man to beat. But mate, if he if he goes down in one of the earlier rounds and, and box body or or Blake Thornton or Perth get a win, anything can happen. Well, I think we're going to chat to Nick Squires a little bit later on. But a little bit of background. I remember him, um, you know trying to get a start on the tour. He was on the, the QS for a number of years. I think he's got a surf school down in Wollongong Way. Is that right? Yeah, he runs the Illawarra Surf Academy. So he's he's surfed through and through. So that's what he does full-time as his job. And he, he competes. So even this weekend, there's the DP Battle Royale on the south coast down there at Thoreau. They invite the top 32 surfers between Cronulla and the south coast, like Conor O'Leary's going to surf and um, all the best guys on the south coast. So, mate, Squires is just hungry and he, he's so powerful and that's what got him through his power surfing i gotta ask you a question big picture we're gonna go big picture remember the old days when we had the apsa was it that's we it, had an australian chairman i mean oh, yeah. i mean we'll surfed in the apsa mate, here's the thing right? oh, name me another sport stalwart. in australia name me another sport in australia where we don't have a national champion every year and i don't know if we've got one for australia yeah well it, Man, it, I, that they run I know, the, sorry um, you guys are going to have a discussion on this but i want to say to you quickly Australia should be more known for surfing than it's cars, it's cricket, it's footy, mate. We're the best at it. We produce the best equipment. It's embarrassing. Go from there, please. I mean, exactly. I mean, that's the point, right? I mean, the industry was born in Australia. We've got the best surfers. I mean, we've had the best surfers for a number of years. And I cannot believe we don't have someone we can put a crown on at the end of the year and say, this is our Australian surf champion. And not only that, give our stalwarts, people who can rip, you know, 35-year-olds a chance, who, you know, not on the WCT. I'm and also our young kids. Well, you're, you're going to be there, and I'm ready for yeah. that. So please tell me. Please tell me you're going to take it to the national yeah, level. That's well, what we need. Come on. Mate, talk um, to me. Well, they do have the Australian championships. That I suppose it's the amateur Australian champion. And, and Dane Atchison, who's fifth on the – the rankings there is the current Australian amateur champ. But, mate, you're right. There's definitely an opportunity there to have a domestic tour and to crown yes. Australia's best domestic yes. surfer. And back in the day, um, the Bud Tour in the United States, right. was Dino it, and Dino. In SA. Buddy Lamas. Yeah, yeah, Bud Lamas. But Dino and Dino quit doing the ASP World Tour back in the day. Vinny Delapina. Yes. Chewy Rayner. Yeah, Chew well, oh Chewy statement. Chewy, yeah. Chewy, he, he was he was in the uh, the Sands contest as uh, the rest of the world up against Nicky Wood, <laughs> circa eighty seven. Oh, I remember that, don't, mate, don't you worry. <laughs> but listen, but listen, I mean, here's the thing, right? What people need to understand is that surfing in this country is the number three participation sport on a weekly level. A lot of people oh, I know, don't know I didn't that. Know that. Oh, that that mate, shocks me. So that mate, it's second behind soccer and netball in terms of weekly participation. And we're talking about and formal competition. And tell soccer that you saw someone get eaten. That's right. That's right. So we've got, what we've got here is everything. Maybe everything. attacked by a dog. Yeah. Mate, we need we need to do this. This is serious. So, mate, this has been your first year. You, you, you're wrapped with the yeah, way it's yeah, been. Yeah. You know, you've done a great job, obviously, but, you know, plans for, for next 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 yeah, year. Yeah, well, like the, the focus this year was, was Sydney. And um, moving forward, obviously, we want to roll it out into, you know, 
all, all around the country, up and down the east coast would be the, probably the next step, you know, like Central Coast, Newcastle, Goldie, maybe not um, the north coast is what we had the conversation <laughs> before. But, Just um, dodge that one. Yeah. But, um, mate, yeah, like the, obviously bigger and better and, and more events and getting more surfers from more states nice. in, in the mix. and. Just while we're on the, the, the subject of, um, you know, the history of the sport now, we just want to give a shout out to Cole Gow, who um, we celebrated 50 years in, in surfing for, for Cole. He, he won the DYSF board riders 50 years ago in 1966 wow. as a 16 year old. But mate, he tells me the story. He grew up in Enmore. He'd carry a nine foot six board to Newtown train station, get the train to Circular oh, Quay, the ferry oh, to Manly, respect, the bus man. to DY. And then as a 16-year-old, the, the guys said to him, oh, mate, you know, you've, you've earned your respect that you can join the club. And this one guy says to him, he goes, mate, what's your name? And he goes, oh, Cole Gow. And he goes, your surname's Gow. He goes, you know that spells walk backwards. He goes, you're now called Luigi. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how, we Love his, it. that's how we earned his nickname 50 years ago. But um, he's now got this computer scoring system called CompuSurf. So Cole flies all around Australia now doing events. Um, and it, it's, a, it's a great system. And... Um, Good, like so, so good to have Cole still in the mix after 50 years, and, and mate, he's just a true champion of the sport. Now, mate, finally, before we let uh, you know, wrap this thing, wrap this segment up. 30th October, Mona Vale. Yeah. What can we expect? Well, mate, yeah, that's the fifth and final event, so it's all going to come down to um that day and uh, whether Nick Squires can continue on or, or Box Body gets one up on him or, or Blake Thorne can have a little bit of luck. Like last few events, Blake's been ripping, but he's just come up against guys that have been absolutely on fire like Shane Holmes. But, mate, anything can happen. And like we said, there's probably about five guys still in the mix. You're on the carve-up to Steve Silky and Will Weber. Welcome back. You're on the carb up. And look, we were just touching uh, on the great event that was held up there at Dewa on the weekend. And luckily, Steve's been able to pull a couple of strings. And we've got the winner, Nick Squires on the line. Nick, congratulations, mate. Yeah, thanks very much, mate. Cheers for having me on. Got to say, you know, we've had um, Harrow on the past couple of episodes. And what we really enjoy about this event is that it brings blokes who might be in surf speed getting a little bit long in the tooth. who have had a crack at the tour and the young up-and-comers Mate, you've you've kind of had a taste at the QS level, mate. What what's your thoughts on this uh, Bacardi Surf Tour? Yeah, I mean, it's um for me personally, I'm probably at that long in the the tooth end of things. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> no the, the offense, last... mate. <laughs> no, that's none taken, none taken. I'm a bit of a late bloomer, you know. Like I never I never competed on the pro juniors or anything like that. And the door opened for me when um when Harrow and and the guys from Jim Beam did the break. Um, I think it was back in 2011. So, um. Yeah, that that's when the door swung open for me, and um, yeah, no, no offence taken at all. The event itself, obviously, uh, the quality of surfing is high. There was guys are dropping nines. The final, mate, three foot little waves. You must have been, you know, pretty wrapped in your performance. Yeah, um, I mean, it probably suited me better than um, if the waves were were big and clean. I, I love a bit of a, a junky sort of surf. Um, I've been sick probably the last week beforehand, so it definitely wasn't the best preparation. Um, but, yeah, I went up there and I missed out on the second event, I believe it was, which was held at uh, Curly. Um, it was right when the, the East Coast low hit, and I had my son at the time, and we tried to drive up, but it was just it was gnarly. So we, um, we ended up pulling the pin, and I knew that I had to get a good result there to be in the, in the um, I guess, the contention for the, for the rankings. Um, so, yeah, it was, I was pumped to come up with a win. So, Squiz, tell me, mate, um, there's talk about, about your boards and uh, even on the weekend I overheard you talking about, you know, going an extra half litre. So how much work do you put in with, with DP Dylan Paris on your boards and um, how does that, do you think, change your performance? Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've worked with DP for probably, I think, about five, five to six years now, maybe a little bit longer. Um, and I, I've, we've got an awesome relationship from his very first board he made me. It just, it worked perfectly. You know, I think it originates from him being from, you know, doing a lot of shaping down in Ulladulla way and, and a lot of juicy waves and I'm a pretty heavy footed surfer. So he, he kind of knows exactly what I want. Um, I've been on probably the last two years, I've been riding the same board, a five, eight epoxy board and. It got to a point where I was jumping on this epoxy board, even if it was six foot, and it kind of ruined me. It, it done my heading, so I didn't know when to grab a step up. So um, in the last 
I think four months, I just said to him, I feel stale. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a little bit confused. And we mixed it up. And the boards that I'm riding now, they're, they're two inches longer. Um, so basically, my, my all-round shorties are 5'10 now um, and half a litre more. And straight away, I felt the difference. You know, there was probably a two-day transfer where I felt a little bit weird on it. But um, as soon as I adjusted and now it's it's I can push all my weight through my turns and they just feel a little bit more responsive. So, um yeah, kind of just fresh under the feet as well. Yeah, man. Well, you got to be careful that your board doesn't look like a knee board because you're so powerful. When you're saying you're riding a five eight. So, so Will, mate, you you know your way around the the, the shaping bay. You got you got a couple of questions for Nick on his, his boards. Well, yeah, the shaping bay is not what's bothering me at the moment. I, I mentioned before. I heard before that he said he was dropping nines. When I hear the word dropping and that the surf was junky in inverted commas, it reminds me of the Jim Sass and to make the final. Stuart Cadden and Dean Cook would usually let the judges have a little uh, something wrapped in alfoil, if you know what I mean. So if you're feeling a bit dazed and confused at the moment, my brother, I don't want to diss the uh, Bacardi tour, but it might have been the DY factor, I suggest, and not your surfboards. (laughs) I guess it's all relevant, isn't it? You know, like I guess that's the way the judging is it doesn't really matter what the conditions are like. There's potential for a nine or a, or a ten. <laughs> <laughs> mate, speaking of relevant, mate, we spoke to Day and Neve on our last show. Obviously, he won the, the, the event at Freshie. Must be good to kind of lock horns with a couple of your old adversaries, you know, Per Stanley's another one that comes to mind, Blake Thornton, of course. You know, locking horns with the blokes that you kind of, you know, surfed against for, for a number of years. Yeah, I, there's a lot of guys there where, you know, there was, there was probably like two years ago where there wasn't actually a lot going on for guys like me, you know, like there was only the QS. So there wasn't any events where you could go and try and win that little bit of extra prize money to try and fund things. And now with this going on, you've got the the, the DP Battle Royale, which is coming up this weekend. You've got the Surferanas going on. It's like all of a sudden there's, there's all these events popping up and um, there was a big focal point for the pro junior, the, the junior contingent. And it was like us old fellas got left behind and, like I'm seeing these guys every second weekend now it's pretty good you know it's good for us guys to to tighten the screws and to be able to practice against like-minded people and and get ready for the QS and stuff like that so um yeah it's it's been pretty good and you know you don't for us down here in Wollongong we don't really get to see the guys up Sydney too much so every time we see them we're like oh okay they're they're kind of stepping it up so it's a bit of a uh, a reality check to to keep us all check uh yeah boosting our our performances as well. Mate, it's interesting. You know, you know the average age of the tour is. Uh, does anyone know what it is? And the WCT is a pop question for you. <clears throat> you know, it's over. You know, no, 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 it's, no, it's not, mate. It's over thirty. Really, mate? Yeah. It, it do the numbers, and so it's it, mate. We're ageist in this society, mate. We, what we need to do is open up the doors here and not just think juniors under eighteen and you're washed up. That's mm. where it's inside out, mate. We've. Yeah, right. Hey, Nick, listen, you know, as far as like goal setting and that, is, is the big the big event for you, obviously, is to win the, the, the event over there at Monavale, but the ABB, you know, going back into the local, into your board, right, is that the, the focal point for the rest of the year? Uh, no, I've actually, I've just entered the, um, the QS 1500 in Taiwan. Right. Um, so I think I'm about 148 at the moment on the QS rankings and, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm probably, I'm not too far away from hanging up the boots myself. Um, I've started up my own surf school down here in Wollongong. And, Give it a uh, plug, mate. Give it a plug. Yeah, yeah. Illawarra Surf Academy uh, down here at the Rule and, and Coromel. Um, and it, it's taking up a lot of my time, you know, and to train, you know, I train probably four to five days a week, trying to run the business, be there for the kids that I coach and, and push everything. It, it's pretty hard work, you know, and it's probably the reason why I'm sick at the moment, actually. But, um. Yeah, so I've set a goal to, I've never been to Hawaii, I've never surfed pipe, so I want to put myself in a position to be able to go over and try and get into the Vulcan comp and, you know, say that at least I gave it a crack and, and, and have a go, you know, I've never been there. The thought of the thought of paddling out pipe when there's about a hundred and something guys out doesn't really tickle my fancy, but surfing it with three other guys makes me perk up a little bit. So yeah, I'm going to set that on my goals and hopefully I can get there next year and I think um, just evaluate everything after the Aussie leg next year on the QS. So uh, well, mate, I, I really um, enjoy. That, 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 that's a real um, interesting goal you've got there, mate. I'll, I'll have a chat to Matt Bemrose. He's just got a promotion into the marketing team at Vulcan about getting into that pipe <laughs> one. But, um, <laughs> yeah, perfect. Mate, great to, um, <laughs> yeah, great to um, speak to you, Nick. And um, 
Mate, we'll see you up at Monoval for the for the final event. Now, just before you go, mate, how do you think that day's going to pan out? There's about five guys math, 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 mathematically that can still take the title, mate. So um, who do you think is your biggest contender? Yeah, look, I'm a big believer that, that surfing's it comes down to the day. You know, there's so many little decisions that can be made. Um, I haven't properly checked out everything. I know Dayan's there. I know Perth's there. Perth, Perth and Dayan are pretty much, you know, they're going to put in a result. So um, I think those guys have to better results of around 200 points, whereas anything that I do goes straight on my bottom line. So, yeah. you know, if I make maybe semis or something, I'm looking pretty good. But I've never actually surfed the place. Or if I have, I might have been 14 years old. So... Um, it's going to be a new spot for me to surf and, and you know, I'm just going to go out there and try and put on my performance that I usually do and, um, yeah, best case scenario, I'll, I'll come out on top. Yeah, don't worry, mate. Don't, not many people have surfed, mate. <laughs> and I've, uh, I've actually never run an event there, so we're all sticking our hands up here with you. Yeah. <laughs> I've actually I've actually been told it's a bit of a closeout if it gets above two to three foot. So, Spot on. Yeah. Yeah, there's, Focusing there's, on my one manoeuvres. Yeah. Hey, listen, mate, congratulations on the win. Best of luck at the uh, the next event. And that two and a half grand, mate, that might be your airfare over to Hawaii. That's what I'm thinking. That good is on, exactly good. where my thought pattern is. Good on you, mate. We've been speaking to Nick Squires. <laughs> You're on the carver. Righto. You're back on the carver. And, boys, you know, we've touched on many subjects here today. We've talked about sharks. We've talked about the WSL. You know, we've spoken to Nick Squires who won the Bacardi Tour. But, you know, one thing that I suppose surfers don't really, uh, I suppose, discuss at length is technology. What do you reckon, Harrow? Is it something that, you know, over the bar over there at uh, the north side of the Stain or something, you're, you're talking about apps and, and, and tech? You know, nah, you're a bit not, of a tech guy? Not really, mate. I suppose you're just um, getting on the uh, the apps to check what the, the the forecast is. But besides that, mate, not really. Well, see, I, I wasn't much of a tech guy until I heard our next speaker who's sitting opposite me created a surfing app called Sneaky Surf. Now, I'm going to let him kind of go into the detail, but for, for those who aren't, you know, real tech savvy, the way I'd describe it is it's a app that's basically like a Facebook for surfers. But not only that, he's got some great uh, technical know-how. That's his background. But to tell us a bit more about it, Steve Sammartino, who's been on the show you know, once before. Steve? Mate. How are you? Mate, I'm loving it. And I've got to tell you, I mean, it's interesting. We all walk around with NASA in our pocket with our phones. Yeah. And, um, and, and, we, and we think, oh, geez, tech's not our bit. But we love those boys that the Bureau of Meteorology tell us what the swell's doing. Mate, we look at those little photos from those webcams that show us what the waves are like live. And what we need to do, mate, is bring surfing back into tech. You've seen what GoPro did. Yeah. And we're going to do that with surfing. We're going to build a surf company that's made for surfers, not a clothing company in disguise, mate, one of my pet hates. And what we want to do is help people catch more waves with what they do. I mean, so that's what Sneaky's all about. So break it down for us. It, it, it's a, it's like a forum or a group. Yeah, just look, give us, a, just at, give at us a bit stage, of the detail. So it's early days. It's early days. At this stage, it does two things. Basically, you track your sessions. So when you're going for a surf, you ping your mates. If you're going for a, for a session, you want to have a paddle partner. We call it sneaky surf because you should be surfing instead of working. That's our policy. Yeah. And so it pings everyone who's in, who follows you when you're going for a session. It's got all the conditions and what they're like from the Bureau of Meteorology feeds. So we've got to know what the waves are like a week out and the predictions of those waves. Yeah, track all the, the surf you've been on and we chat about surfing. But what we're going to do is do some um, some next level stuff. One of the things we know now based on the members is how crowded a location is. So we know from all the phones that are in the car park whether a certain location is crowded or not because wow. we, ping, we ping a little message to that. So I reckon that's so, amazing, mate, especially so if someone who serves at Bondi. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Bondi, I reckon we just need to have a big red flag at all points in exactly. time, mate, because it's never uncrowded. But for, in Vico, no, I, I, I think where it would work is up on the shark coast, knowing where uh, 48 legs are out. Yeah. Dude, actually, you know, the only two. mate, it was, it was super interesting. I mean, when I was, uh, and I mentioned it earlier on the, on the carve up tonight, when I was out at Optus, they've got those boys there. That's the sort of technology that we can have, mate. We can have technology on, on an Apple phone. So we're working on software now for the new Apple phone, which is waterproof, yep. right? So that's a game changer. So imagine if we have that linked to all of the boys that are out there that have the sonar of when a shark's around, you get a little ping on your phone, bang, you paddle in, and you're safe. What? So it's about technology helping us catch more waves and do it in a I better wonder, way. I wonder if that's what happened to the Samsung 7, that it had a shark <laughs> app on it and they've all blown up. <laughs> it, 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 but, you know, it, it, bring, it does bring us to the point, like, you know, I, I check the, the, the Surf Stitch, you know, the Surf Stitch app, which used to be the Hurley app, which is, yeah. used to be the Coastal Watch yeah. app. 
you know, at least once or twice a day, just even if I'm not going surfing, just to see what the waves are like. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, that's 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 another. That's uh, we want to get someone on who can go into the detail about that. I've had a request to find out what the 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 deal is. We get a couple of shareholders on. Yeah, (laughs) no, we need to do that. But but without even trying, we are we are embracing technology. Another thing is the watch, where Rip Curler got the watch, where you can tell how far you've ridden away for. You know, is that the future of surfing, Steve? Is that the way you see it? Yeah, absolutely. I'm working with Deakin Uni at the moment. One of the things we're doing is a wetsuit that's got sensors in it. So it's a little bit like one of those virtual reality wetsuits. So you plug it in after and you can watch a surf without anyone filming you. So it actually creates wow. a visual of the wave where you were surfing on the wave because you plug in your wetsuit and it can tell from where your body's moved how you actually surfed on the waves. So we're wow. working on a lot of background tech. We're, you know, we're a little bit um, not quite there with it in the market yet, but technology is influencing everything in life and it can influence surfing and make surfing better. You can get more waves and improve your surfing. Another thing we're doing is live reports. So you got your phone, whoever was the last person to go, we have a heat map. You take a little video of the, it goes through the app and you can see what the surf was like. Not, not when surf stitch took a camera on the five places they've right. got in Sydney, but wherever someone happens to be and you can make it secret. So you just ping it to your own mates who are in your cruise. So you're not necessarily giving away the secrets as well. So, so, so mate, it's like you're creating a, a network within surface. That's it. You got it in one. See, that's it right there. Yeah. Smart thinking. That's why you're going to run the next, the next tour in Australia. Cause you're a smart man. Exactly. Mate, I, I what I like we're going to have is a network built for surfers. You're not dodging birthday cakes. I mean, yeah, good. I want your kids to have a happy birthday, but I don't need to see your birthday cakes. What I need is a technology network built for surfers by surfers so we all catch more waves. Will. You know what you know what I like about both of what you guys bring to this and you're developing something Steve in the pink shirt which is not Harrow because I have vision <laughs> here which we should have vision <laughs> on soon. Oh nice. <laughs> but what you're doing you're developing something that you feel is going to happen. And you know why it's going to happen? Cuz wave pools are going to happen and your stuff is going to become so bloody relevant so soon. And Harrow, man, you deserve all the luck in the world. Once these pools are open, whether it's in the ocean or in wave pools, mate, both of you guys keep following your dreams because you're on the right track. Cheers, brother. Kind words. Love it. Love it. Mate, I want to talk more about the technical side and maybe focus a little bit on, on so, you know, we've got the firewire that's, that's you know, prominent now. Technology in surfboard, surf design, what, what's, the, what's your insights on uh, the future of surfing or surfboards? Actually, I think, and it's funny that um, Will mentions that, is because for a long time, there's a lot of guesswork. I think we we think that we know a lot about surfboard design, but because every single wave that we have surfed through the history of our lives has never been the same, we don't really know. The truth is we don't know. There's about five surfers on the earth that know, right? But when we get a mechanical wave, we can actually, for the first time, hop on the same wave at the same time, try different maneuvers and understand and get get that technical element to really understand board design. I think... Wave pools are going to actually change how much we really know about surfboards and how we can get more out of it. So we're on like a precipice of technology where it's actually going to make surfing better for everyone. I'm, I'm stoked about it. 3D, mate. 3D imaging, what about that? Is that going to influence, you know, products, surfing, surfboards? What do you, where do you think yeah, they – will they have a place in surfing? Yeah, absolutely. And I wouldn't be surprised in the next 10 years where we all have 3D printers at home for a multitude of things and it won't be a matter of uh, – you know, getting one board once a year, you'll be you'll be printing a board every other week for the exact conditions because we'll know which conditions are suited to which board, mate. And that's that's going to be exciting. Wow, <laughs> that's heavy. That's a lot to take in. Fifty boards. <laughs> what, what's my missus going to say with my garage? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's fine, mate. You just shred it. Now you'll shred that board with the plastics and the and the polymers that go in it and reuse those materials to. Print it's recyclable, it again. mate. Wow. That's it. That's what we do, mate. It's green. That's How does what that we make do. you feel, well, as a shaper? You know, that, is that a, is that a threat to your livelihood? Um, look, not at all. I, I think we've got to save the bloody planet, you know. It's disgusting how many companies, the big guys that put out boards for $10 profit, and those boards eventually get snapped and go into landfill or float around in the ocean. I've always loved the idea of the 3D printing, and the thing is what you can get given is a bag of the uh, plastic balls of plastic. You take them in, they make your board, you take it back next time, they melt exactly. it down. So, you know, each person's got, you know, their own carbon footprint they're allowed to handle. Or, you know, rather, think how many boards Slater has littered the planet with. I mean, it's sad. <laughs> what a diss. I love it. <laughs> wow. Now, mate, you know, this is, this is crazy, insightful stuff. Sneaky Surf app. 
Tell yeah. us, mate, how do we find it? What do we got to do? Yeah, so it's in the App Store, Sneaky Surf app. Sorry to you Androiders out there, but we'll, we'll be coming soon. Get on the app, say good day to at Steve, at Gus, at Silky. We're all on there. Mate, it's actually a really good vibe. It's a surfing environment where we talk about surfing. You know, one of the cool things about Sneaky, I've met people around the coast who I didn't know, you know, being from Vico, we all know each other down there. Mate, last time I was up on the Gold Coast, odds one of my boys, shout out to him, picks me up, we go around surfing, he takes me to the good spots. I come here to Sydney, Silky picks me up, we go around. Get on Sneaky, it's a community where we all look after each other when we're travelling. Surfing's a sport of travelling and Sneaky's a great way to connect. And we're back, you're on the carve up, it's been a big show, we've joined by... Will Weber up there on the north coast and in the studio I've got Steve Sammartino and Steve Harrow Harrison. Boys, it's been a real big show, been uh, you know, probably the longest to date, but I've got to say there's been a lot of info. I've learned a lot about, you know, surfing and tech. I've learned about, you know, the shark problem up the north coast. You know, I've got to learn a little bit about Nick Squires and sorry boys, just one second. And I'm about to learn about the one and only Chud Spivens. Chud, you're with us. They'll accept the reverse charges. Just fucking put me through, woman. Put me through. It's Chud Spivens. Chud, welcome. And, you know, Steve's been in all. He's, he's, he's listened to your whole back catalogue, as a matter of fact, before coming on today's show. But, mate, look, we've, touched, we've been touching on a lot of subjects today. You know, the shark problem up the north coast. It's been, we've touched on the WSL. Mate, this is your segment. You take it wherever you want. Man, Steve, Harrow, hats off. I'm like the Jacques Cousteau of chewing gum. I'm everywhere. <laughs> I'm underwater. I'm chewing gases. The other day, I was free riding with a tiger shark, and could you believe it? A great white. Tagged from Australia. One of you ones from Ballina. Crazy. I've been reading stuff. I can read underwater. I was there with Dan Weber in my mental provisions. But what I want to get to is the Target, the Target Maui Pro. Forget Europe. I'm so over Europe, I got thrown off Lufthansa lately. Uh, the, the lady was found down. They said something, Arl. I don't, you know what? I, I was getting belted around the head. I ain't no terrorist. I'm just an errorist and a person that wants to take it to the new stratosphere and take us somewhere else in this world. Man, isn't there more to do than talk about, you know, what I did 15 years ago? I could say anything. Mate, have you caught any of the action in France? Obviously, we've had a few lay days. You know, we're going to check the clock in, a, in probably about 15 minutes' time to see if the event's going to be run. But, you know, we've got the top two, Jay, uh, John John and Gabriel Medina, both in the semis. You were in France earlier this year. Have you had a chance to, you know, seek counsel off any of the boys? I know Keanu Singh has come to you in the past for uh, a bit of tutelage. It's funny that you say that, Cooper, came to me. Because you know that my DNA might be inside John John. I was there on the North Shore way back. You know, my in a way I feel like ageless. You know, I've had spirulina. I've swum to the bottom of the, the ocean with Dave Wassel. You know, that guy's eyes used to be two inches side of his head. I forced him in closer. The way I speak to him, when I get to Europe... I, I, I change. It's the baguette and it's it's the beer. I get baguette fever. I'm like a, I'm like a, a cheese factory in a yeast farm. When I get there, I, I I come out of the Pyrenees. I roll down like a soccer ball, man. What I see there is like drain pipes not happening. Is it Paniche when it's going to pop? I don't think this is it, Cooper and the boys. And it's so nice not to have that little Hawaiian there tonight and shooter. We got some fresh talent on the on 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 the phone to me, which is nice. Because what I want to see is fresh eyes, fresh ears, and see where we go from here. Dude, what's happened to Wilco? Wilco, man, I told the kid. I brought him up, you know, at Evoca. I used to have a windsurfing school and met him first at a, a day picnic with his father. And I said, hey, kid, you look like a top little sprout to me. But, you know, you're going to need something like a leprechaun to take you to the future, which funnily enough seems to have happened. But the kid, you know, he's like a juggler. You don't know if you're always going to land this thing. He's like the guy out of, what was it, Seinfeld that's when well, Kramer passed his rocks and he fell from the high wire and they found out a comedian was meant to be a great lover. The guy's a roller skater, man. When I was a kid, I used to be skating down the road before bearings and you'd see your ball bearings pass you. That's exactly like what's happening to Wilco. That's your world tour 
fucking passing you. And I, 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 I hate to use the F word because you know what? That's that's locker talk. And that oh. was <laughs> Listen, finally, before we go, uh, Chad, you know, the big story all week, the big news story all week has been Donald Trump and that bus. Now, I know that you used to coach Donald Trump in, and his sons in, in uh, you know, deep sea diving. Parting words on the whole, you know, hullabaloo that has been the, the Trump circus this week. To tell you the truth, the reason I am in Nova Scotia at the moment is if you turn up the volume, and I know the CIA, who have mucked with me before, which we will find in my film when it does eventually come out, is that you can find me snoring in the back of that uh, that bus there. So uh, I wouldn't like any of the locker talk that, you know, I might have been sleep talking. Who knows? Ah, Chad, one of your best... Listen, uh, before we let you go, who do you think will take out this event? And are you looking forward to Panish? You, Panish, Panish sardines. I love it. Every time when I surf their back, and you know, I used to surf kneeboards. I used to surf backhand, forehand, uh, softboards before there were softboards. I'd just go out there with a soft forehead and just take off and think, what the hell's going on? Because when I got there, it was a different country. We used to smoke a lot of hashish out of Morocco. I, I think it came from Morocco. I just said to the guy, yeah, there's five bucks. I'll take it. But what I find there is that, yeah, it's the punchy beach. It's called Supertubos, which is Tube City. Man, when it comes offshore, you know it's stinking because they got a cannery there of fish. Man, I don't think this Lacanau, you know, Hasegar thing, it's, or it's, it's a little bit too uh, camembert for me. I think it comes down to punching in Portugal, and then we take this thing to Pipeline where you know the brother goes. Wow, insightful, informative, and high octane, if I may, Chad. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. See you then. Thank you. Dude, just like you pull in and you just get spit right out of them. <laughs> <laughs>